Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The Collab. We are a collective of brand professionals sharing our career stories. Every week, we pair up two members and they interview each other. So you'll get to hear one episode this week and one next week. You can join us too. Sign up at jointhecollab.com and then tell your story. Hi, I'm Talia Shivalov, and I'm so excited to be here and interview Karen Santoyo Runitz, who has a wealth of experience in designing footwear and accessories at companies like Helmet Lang, 3.1 Philip Lim, Tory Birch, Leffler and Randall, and Saludos. So I'm so excited to speak to you today. We've been on the phone for quite a while now, so I feel like I know you. But I'd love to hear a little bit or a lot about your career and what you got you here. And maybe we can just start from the beginning and I can hear about where you grew up. Thanks, Talia. It's really exciting to talk with you. I think we actually have some similarities in our backgrounds and process. So I grew up in Norwalk, Connecticut, which is an hour outside New York City. And I always wanted to be in fashion design in like middle school had like this elaborate system for like documenting all my clothes and like had drawings of each garment and then had like looks that went together and then those looks couldn't be repeated more than once a month. It was like a clueless meets like my own analog system. Totally ridiculous. And then like every look was a different vibe. Like one was, this was in the late eighties. So one look was like fluorescent green, ocean Pacific surf vibe, even though I lived in Connecticut. And then the next day would be like a red wool coat with like gold buttons that was like very like bougie uptown. And I really liked that you could tell a story with your clothes and what your vibe was, and it would make you feel a certain way. Always knew I'd probably live in one of the big fashion capital cities because I wanted to do fashion design. I did the RISD pre-college program in fashion design and loved that. But when it came to university, I decided I wanted a university experience and really wanted to partner university plus fashion design and ended up going to Cornell University because I found they had great academics and also fashion design. It was like one of the few universities that had both. And what I did was I did Cornell for four years, but I did my junior year abroad at Parsons in Paris. And that's how I merged the university experience with really strong fashion intent in a fashion city training. That really worked for me to like merge right brain, left brain, like both sides of my interests. I graduated Cornell and started looking for work in New York right away and went to all the big houses, Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein, Donna Karen, and things just weren't queuing up well or yet. And I just thought, why don't I just work for the person that I really admire and want to work for, which was Helmut Lang. That was like my icon, my favorite designer. I knew they had relocated from Austria to New York City that year. So I knew they were new to New York City and they must have need for somebody. So I somehow got their phone number and found out where they were located. And one day I was like disappointed that none of these other jobs were coming through. So I was like, well, I'll just do a pop in at Helmet Lang and see like what they need. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I, I like would never have this 
courage now, I feel like, but when you're young and don't know any, any better, you're like, that seems about right. I'll just pop by. And I brought like a small version of my portfolio and I went into Soho and the office was under construction. So it was open. Like I could go up the stairs and go right in. And I started giving my pitch to the executive assistant and telling her I was a designer and also Helmet was my favorite brand. And I really admired the style and the icon and, and I was smart and I could help in any place they needed. And as I was giving her my pitch, the CEO opened the door of her office and popped out and said, well, I'm interviewing for receptionist if you want to interview for that. And I was like, sure, great. I'll do it. I'll take it. And had a great conversation with her and started as a receptionist a week later. I was like terrified on the first day. I cannot wait to hear how you got from being a receptionist to the designer. I was so terrified to meet Helmet the first day because I was this is like my icon. And I was like just a 22 year old, like recent grad. And I was like, oh my God. And the office was like very minimal. And I sat in a large black box, like a gallery box. And anyway, it was just very minimal and like a very strong visual and nobody around me. Everybody was like hidden in the back offices. Yeah, I know the type. So Helmet came in. I, I was like, hi, Mr. Lang. And he was like, hi, whatever. And over the few months, we got to know each other well. And he pulled me into his office and said, hey, Karen, you're doing a great job. Just want to say thank you. And I said, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. And by the way, I am a trained designer. Would love to help your design team out if you ever need any help. And I love this because I suggested I could help him take Polaroids for runway prep. And I didn't realize that's actually the most important job in like one of the most important jobs in runway prep was like the person that takes photos and like prepares the board for the, the runway lineup. A very important job. Yeah. I mean, that's not something you have an intern do or anything, but I didn't know that. So I just offered that. I'll help you with the runway prep. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll go back to being receptionist. And then within like a month, the design team was totally overworked. And the creative director said, hey, we actually do need help. Would you mind coming upstairs after you work in reception, come from six to 10 and help us upstairs? And I was like, sure, done. I'll, I'll help you with whatever. So I would go upstairs every night and was a design assistant and would set up boards, photocopy, draw sketches, prepare faxes, whatever it was. This was like at the beginning of my career, faxing was still a thing. And I was exhausted, but I, I loved it. I was like thrilled I was in the room. And then with another couple months, they were like, we have enough work. Why don't you come up full time and just work in the design studio? So that was my in and that was how I started designing and had my first job with my favorite brand, like the brand I revered all through school and thought they did the best work and loved their concept and clothing and vibe. Yeah, that's how it all began. That's awesome. It's an incredible story. And I think it's such a rare thing to find people that 
start out in one path in the same company and are able to transition into another, let alone from receptionist to designer. So I think that's in such an incredible feat. That's amazing. Yeah, it was just the right place at the right time. And I really just tried for what I wanted. And it, it was amazing and great. Now I think it's harder to do that. That's awesome. So what was next? What happened after Helmet? So I worked with Helmet for five years. Through that process, was design assistant and then worked up to be assistant designer and then designer for footwear and accessories. And that's really where I got my start in footwear and accessories. There was an opening. Helmet was like, why don't you just do the footwear and accessories? That would be great. And I was able to learn. At that time, Prada owned 50% of Helmet Length. So I was able to train myself through Prada. Like I didn't have to know all the footwear terms or the accessory terms or how shoes were made. I could show them a sketch and they would walk me through it and explain to me what a last was and how things were made and travel to the factory. So after several years of doing footwear and accessories at Helmet Lang, I had a friend that moved out west and moved to California. And that seemed dreamy. And I had it in my mind that I wanted to be an artist also and do like amazing work that was less superficial or what I thought was less superficial and so I, I I left New York moved to California to the Bay Area started making art started teaching classes in fashion design at California College of the Arts and the funny part was every piece of artwork that I made was about fashion I was making these like photo realist rendering of like people in an outfit like pose and it was like really photo rendered but with graphite and then I would take out the human form so you would see the human through the clothes but there'd be no face or hands how interesting yeah I was like I don't know why I left fashion because I clearly love it and I can't get away from it and then I would be doing textile printing and it was the same I was everything was that I was doing was relating back to fashion or telling a story through materials or garments or look or vibe or style. So it was awesome. I'm so glad I did that pivot to California because then when I came back, I really knew this is it. I love fashion. I don't want to be anywhere else. I've remained my like enthusiasm and excitement for the industry consistently I never waver because I already did the pivot and came back so it, it was unexpected but has worked out really well in the long run so tell me about your transition back into the fashion industry my next question was going to be about how linear your progress was but it sounds like it isn't very linear yeah so I knew I wanted to go back I wanted to move back to New York and wanted to work in fashion again and it was in the back of my head and I saw that Philip Lim was hiring a footwear designer and I saw it posted like somewhere like Women's Wear Daily or something and it just like lingered in my head. And I was like, hmm, that, that could be cool. And I just thought about it for like a week or two. And then I spoke to a friend and she said, I mentioned it to her and she's like, my friend worked at Philip Lim. Do you want me to connect you? And I was like, well, they probably hired, filled the position. It's been weeks. And she's like, no, it's not filled yet. And I was like, well, okay. And I just sent my resume, just thought, well, we'll see what happens. And I was actually still in California. So 
it just happened that Philip was also in LA at that time. And I was in LA doing a teaching gig for a couple months. So we met at his store in LA, had a great conversation and it felt like a great fit. So then I moved back to New York and launched Philip Lim Men's and Women's Footwear. And it was really nice transition because Philip worked, although the, the products were more accessibly priced than luxury design, he worked very much and probably still does as a luxury designer with an atelier in-house. We were trying to use, we were using Italian factories and Italian leathers. So that felt very similar to the Helmut Lang studio and process with a overall concept and creative director and shoes being a part of that story. Footwear design is such an, it's an incredible process to really be technical in footwear design and understand how laughs are made and the sculptures and shapes that you can make is such a beautiful process. I'm always in awe of footwear designers. So what are you most proud of to date in your career? I think what I'm most proud of is my most recent experience at Toledo as creative director of footwear and accessories. Really, when I came in six years ago, Saludos was known as a niche espadrille brand. And I was able to and brought in to transform it into 365 all year lifestyle footwear and accessory brand and successfully launched new categories like sneakers, leather mules, booties, heels, which now drive revenue at Saludos. And the sneakers, we started with a classic white lace-up, and that has expanded now to include platform sneakers, retro runners, retro court shoes, high tops, and sneakers really making a huge bulk of the sales revenue. So I feel really proud about that, the growth at Saludos that I brought through the product. And in doing that, also creating a recognizable design language and code that I'm sure you experienced this when you work through categories, it's very easily easy to make an espadrille feel whimsical, wanderlust, artisanal, which is like the ethos of Saludos, but how do you make a leather sneaker or a leather mule feel that way? And creating these design codes that translate across categories. That was challenging, fun, and I feel very successful that it worked at Saludos. And then lastly, Saludos is like you, I'm very inspired by sustainability and I was able to pioneer the sustainability commitments with Saludos so that now over 80% of our product is made with sustainable best-in-class materials, something that when I started, we were just making whatever it was, cotton was whatever cotton on the espadrille, the leather was any leather, the outsole was whatever the factory had, and then going back and now being very specific with each material and constantly swapping it out for the better version of rubber, of leather, knit. I'd like to go back to what you just said. You just said 80% of the materials? Yes, 80% of product. That is unheard of. That's unheard of. That's, that's remarkable. That's, a, that's, I mean, for people who don't know how remarkable, not only is that remarkable it's also an expensive commitment sustainable materials for the most part more expensive than unsustainable ones yes and no we were able to do or i was able to do it 
still making commercially viable products. Yes, yes, that's great. The way I approached it was I piloted a sneaker first. I piloted one sneaker that was going to be the sustainable sneaker. It was all made from recycled materials. So recycled plastic bottles, recycled rubber, sugarcane footbed, and it was a knit a knit sneaker. And it did really well. It was aligned with our price point, commercially viable, hit margin, and sold really well. It's been selling for four or five years now. So that gave me the credibility to get the key stakeholders aligned for me to swap out more materials. And I did it piece by piece, trying to hit the highest volume styles first. So the Ibiza white leather sneakers, highest volume for us. So fixing the leather, what's a better leather or a non-leather version we can try? How do we get the rubber outsole to be less petrochemical based and use, now it's mixed with seaweed, algae, recycled rubber and natural rubber. So you, you chip, I chipped away basically, cause I, it, the Saludos team is very small, nimble. So it was just myself and a product developer and a designer. So it was really on me to chip away where I could at the highest volume styles and keep swapping out materials. Now there's a matrix and we don't use certain materials because they're not sustainable and we follow the footwear, the FDRA and material exchange guide on which materials to use, like how much percent recycled is acceptable and what are the goals to get to. I'm incredibly impressed. Yeah, that's one of my biggest accomplishments. I felt like I, when the Paris Climate Accord came out, and I, I saw that the greenhouse gas emissions, the most emissions in the world are in the U.S. and China. And I thought, well, I live in the U.S. and I manufacture in China. Like, what can I do? And then actually doing it and, and aligning with cross-functional partners to help me push it through. Definitely something to be proud of. Thank you. <laughs> yes, definitely. My next question is, if anything, what would you do different if you started over? Oh my gosh, that's a tough question. I would have started a brand or side hustle earlier. I think I had, I've always had ideas as a designer. You always, you see things and you're like, oh, that could be cool. What if we did this? Or what if I did this? But you have so much work. Design is just very intense. So you have so much work creatively on your plate in your full-time job that you think, I just can't, I don't have space for that later. And I also didn't know how to do it. Like I just had no idea how to start a side brand or side hustle or product. And at this point, I really feel that you need to be in control of your own future. You can't let other people be in control of your future. And if you have, like you were saying, multidisciplinary or you have your own product line that you're offering, plus you're doing consulting, you are in charge, in charge of your own future. You can pull the levers on your brand, on who you want to consult with. And I think it just gives you more opportunity, more freedom as you get more senior in your career. It's funny that that was your answer because when I was reading these questions a little bit earlier, I was thinking about what my answer would be to that and it would be the exact same thing. And I think that it's, it's really so important to be able to control your own future. And I think 
knowing how to build something for yourself is a challenge, but definitely very rewarding. So I, I understand that, but it sounds like you're doing your own thing now. So can we hear about what your plans are now and how you see yourself in the next couple of years? Yeah, so I am consulting now and then exploring new opportunities in consulting as well as as full-time work. Excited to think about where I want to be next. I want to take my creative vision and work at a larger brand and really over more categories and expand my impact, I think would be really exciting. I love what I do. So I just want to keep doing it at a bigger scale, basically. That's awesome. I think I have probably one more question and it is in consulting and I'm asking this for a friend, but in consulting, how do you get inspired when you're working or thinking about working across multiple different brands? My question is, I guess, how do you get inspired, but also how do you not get consumed by one company or one vision and allow yourself to work across different companies, but still focus on what you want to do? I think my creative process is multifaceted and I really enjoy branding and product strategy as you also do. And so I always start with what's the brand ethos? What are the big three, like the three tenants of the brand? What are market trends for that category? And then what is the customer need or customer direction? And then four is what's my creative vision for that brand and that product? But because I have the brand ethos, the customer and the market trends, I always circle back to, well, is my inspiration relevant for that brand or my vision relevant for that brand? I view it more as like like a branding exercise. So it's just always rooted in the brand. And it is very inspiring to wear new shoes, a new hat, like for different brands and think how it works for their customer. Totally. Totally. It gives you a new lens to be able to create through. Yeah, I think that is probably my superpower in design is being very sensitive and being able to vibe out customer lifestyles, what that feels like, what people would wear or would not wear. And I love talking to people. Like I would make my own focus groups at Pluto's and just ask customer service to pull up the top sneaker customer, the top meal customer, the top five, and hear like what they bought from us or other brands and why. And it could also be just like people at a table at a dinner party. like, And that really helps me fine-tune strategy. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It was so wonderful to hear about your career, and I'm so excited for what you're going to do next. It was an incredible story. And I'm going to, the receptionist to design a portion at the beginning at Helmet is really going to stick with me. It's an incredible starting point. It is. I'm glad I had the confidence to just push through and tell Helmet what I was trained in and what I really wanted to be doing there. So it's been wonderful speaking with you, Talia, and looking forward to connecting further. Thanks so much for being here for the Collab Career Stories podcast. Please follow us on social media at Join the Collab 
and sign up to become a member and share your story at jointhecollab.com.